Hey everyone, uh, welcome to episode 13 of The Followers. Uh, today we have gone down a different route and we have brought on a guest who uh, I, I can say from, I'm not going to be here for the whole episode, but uh, uh, we're here today with with, uh, with Andy Murphy and we're, we're uh, he's a, a former MMA uh, fighter, uh, he fought in uh, the likes of Bellator and that, he's a gym owner, He uh, but that doesn't come anywhere near to um, describing him as a person. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy today's content. There is a lot of learning to be done here. There's a lot of interesting takeaways. Uh, so first off, Andy, welcome. And uh, we're here again with Shane and Murph as, as usual, but welcome. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, always up for a chat. I said to John now, uh, he said he wants to fit this in about 45 minutes. So you, you have three or four hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> We we can push it on a bit longer if we need to. So that's, uh, we've the whole the whole evening. <laughs> yeah, Shane is the car wash, so he's in no rush to get going now. Anyway, yeah, coming it. from the glorious surroundings of an apple green on the N11. So there you go. There, there's this week's needs a foreign holiday green. when you can do that. <laughs> All right, um, Morph, do you want to take us take us off? Yeah, so Andy, you run Urban Gym in Nurasa, which is just up the road from us. How long has that been going? So yeah, I'm, uh, we opened uh, February 2019. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been a bit of a whirlwind already. Like, you know, I'd, always, I'd always dreamed, I guess you could say, of running my own gym, but I just never really understood how to go about it. Like I'm doing this, I'm 34 years of age now, but I'm kind of... I've been that guy that when I started off, I was just a work experience guy at 16, going to Greenbank Leisure Club in Carlo. And I was like that squeegee boy that'd be like on the pool deck, squeegeeing the deck, you know, I'd be the guy that put the black bag on there, the arm, going down the S bend of the toilet and all that sort of stuff. So I've done all the, the time in the trench. It's not all that that beautiful S and C stuff which we're all doing now. But um, yeah, it came came about now after a long, long old stint in the leisure industry. Um, and then obviously now. It's been it's been going great. We've got a lovely vibe, real kind of community atmosphere in the gym. Lovely membership, and lovely people coming in through the door. But I guess as most gyms are going through right now, you know, it's 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 a complete shock to the system going through what we're going through. But thankfully, all is going well so far. And we're back in action, and there's a good atmosphere still in the place, even with our social distancing and all the cleaning protocols. Like nearly, you could say. I'm a cleaner first and foremost now, and a gym instructor on the side, like, you know. But uh, thankfully, like I said, it's just great to be back in the gym um, rather than just doing all the online workouts because I was very active during COVID. I was like in front of the camera all the time, and don't get me wrong, I'm an energetic guy, but I feed off, I feed off this, I feed off communication and, and meeting people and chatting and all that then as well, which you'll probably get now over the next 45, 50 minutes anyway. The talk for Ireland. Yeah, we'll chat a bit more about the, the business and how that's yeah. been going, how you set it up and the challenges you face. But you were kind of, I suppose you, you developed a bit of a name as an MMA fighter over the last few years. How did you get that, into that first? Was it something you were kind of drawn to as a younger fella or did you come across it? Maybe? Um, the mad thing about it was when I was in, uh, when I was in college at WIT and all throughout my school years, I was actually a, a middle distance runner. I, I ran up to international level in middle distance athletics. Say you're... 1500 meters and then your 3k steeplechase was another specialist uh, event of mine um, but then at, between the age of 19 and 21 I ended up having uh, four knee operations so two on the right two on the left and I was kind of told by Brendan Long in Kilkenny um, after my fourth one you know I said Andy's kind of like this if you keep going the way you're going you'll have arthritis by 30 like, but 
again, that was a stage in my life where I wasn't really doing much S and C. All I was doing was running. I was thinking like strength training or that. Well, that was a waste of time because to run, I need to run. I need to be out running, like, you know, to get better aerobically. I need to be doing my, you know, 10 by 400s on the track with one minute rest and all that. I need to go and run in my long 90 minute run on a Sunday, all that sort of stuff. But basically what happened anyway, after that fourth knee operation, I kind of felt a bit lost for about six months. You know, you, you lose something. You're known as Andy, the, the middle distance runner. Everyone in school, if you told my school friends back then, and that Andy Murphy would be fighting in the Bellator cage in like 10 more years' time, they would have laughed well, their head off. Like, I'd, use run, it. I'd run a mile from confrontation and was never involved in any, any physical conflict uh, as a child. Right? Anyway, I was always trying to get picked on because I was kind of like, I thought it was popular, but people knew me because of my running and GA and stuff like that. But I was an easy target, let's just say. So I always had an interest in combat sports, but I never really got into it or anything because I was eight and a half stone middle distance runner, you know. Uh, so once I kind of got told I couldn't run anymore, I did a bit of gym work for like six months in the gym where I was working at the time, Greenbank Health Leisure Club. But I got a bit bored, if I'm honest. I got bored just going in doing like a five-day program you know you're 21 22 years of age you're eight and a half stone you're trying to pack on a bit of muscle but it's taking feckin' forever and you're you're kind of getting a bit bored in the gym just following the fitness program and i wasn't really wasn't really enjoying it that much so um when i was in college in wit there was a mma club open down the road uh from the college and i just i just really i wanted to get into something that i could just go and enjoy and do something different every day because when I was running, all I was doing was running all the time, like, you know, so um, I wanted to get into something where, you know, each day was different. And once I did my first MMA session, now I say my first MMA session, it took me quite a while to work up the courage to, to finally walk in the door. I got let down by two of my friends who said they'd come with me to training. And eventually just got to the stage where I said, feck it, I'm just going on my own. And I got halfway up the stairs in this cabinet's paints in Waterford. I was halfway up and I could hear the pads being cracked by the Muay Thai lads. There was this condensation in the room. I was like, what the, what the fuck am I doing? Like, you know, I'm, eight, I'm about eight and a half, nine stone at this stage. Nine stone maybe. I put on about half a stone from all my gains on the bench or whatever. But halfway up the stairs and I finally made it around the corner and there was eye contact made from a guy who had like worse ears than I have right now. And um, I made me feel welcome from the very moment, brought me onto the mats. And then once I got the first training session done, I was hooked. I went home and tried to put moves on my my um, <laughs> my uh, colleagues that were, say, my, my, my friends in, in uh, the house where I was staying in student accommodation. The boys killed me, like, but I was just trying to get a single leg takedown that I'd been learning in uh, training. And so after that, then I was just hooked. And I just kind of, one day you'd be wrestling, one day you'd be doing BJJ, one day you'd be doing boxing. And um, the one thing I had going for me was that I had a very good aerobic base. I could, I could go all day with that. I was pretty weak, I won't lie, but I had a stubbornness just to keep turning up. And as a result, even Shane would have noticed that when I was uh, with APEC as well. I don't pick things up straight away. I don't think many people do, but by keep turning up and keeping showing up, eventually you're going to get good at it. Right? You know, So just surround yourself with better people. And that's, that's what happened with MMA. I had no intention of ever fighting, by the way. No, I had no intention of fighting. And after a year of training, the coach just asked me, said, hey, Andy, there's a, an MMA league starting in Galway or whatever. Would you be up for going? I said, look, yes. I don't know why I said yes, but I said yes. And once I'd signed up, so that was that. And again, even for Galway, I drove to Galway on my own. And it was funny enough, I um, had to cut weight on that day, even though it was the same day weigh-in, same day fight. Um, I was in the sauna with Paul Redmond, who... 
event, he became one of my teammates then with Team Rhino. And Paul fought in the UFC, he's fought on Bellator with me, he's fought on Bama as well, been on the same shows, teammates down the line. Ten years on, I made my Bellator debut and he was fighting the three arena in Dublin that, uh, that night then as well. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's mad the way life happens, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very interesting you said there that you never got into it with the intention of fighting, whereas a lot of people, that often be the first thing that draws them in. And yeah. it's probably partly because you went directly to MMA and enjoyed that mixture of stuff, whereas I'd say a lot of MMA fighters come from one of the specific martial arts and branch out into the mixture, yeah. or have you found different? Well, first things first on that, I think, I think a lot of lads who generally walk through the door, I've noticed it coaching as well, and you might have noticed in, in various sports so you, you're involved in as well, lads. Like, um, certain lads will maybe want to play on a rugby team, or like say, for example, they want to start on the pitch, when it actually comes to actually hand them the jersey to go out and play, they, shit brick, like, they actually don't really want to be there because there's the fear of making a fool of themselves in front of people. But I've seen that. Like, I, think, I think one big bonus to my career in a way was that I didn't really want to fight starting out and I just enjoyed the process of learning skills and that there was no rush there was no like okay I've got to fight I've got to fight I actually just kept turning up training and then learned some basics and some some guard passing some guard movements on the ground some wrestling and I got to do some boxing I never I never threw a punch properly before in my life so I just got to embrace all aspects of MMA and again you said there about maybe some lads coming in from different sports I find it's actually quite more difficult when you've come from, um, say, if you come from just a pure boxing background or you come from just a pure judo or a pure BJJ element. Like a lot of the BJJ guys that transfer across to MMA, they might be phenomenal grapplers, but when you bring punches into the mix, it can change the dynamic of it. Um, when you're getting hit in the head regularly and even the grappling aspect on the ground, it changes things because space is created when you're throwing shots. Um, so... Like, I actually feel now that the, the, the next wave of fighters coming through, i.e. The, the teenagers, the kids, they're the guys to be watching out for because they're the guys who are going to be just so well-rounded. The days of Chuck Liddell and you know, Randy Couture and all that, they're gone now. Like, you know what I mean? These, these guys just have one-trick ponies and that. Now, yeah. like, if you're an MMA fighter, you've got to be good in all areas. Like, it's, the deck, it's the decathlon of combat sports. That's the way I look at it. And, um that's why I enjoyed it so much. And it's probably why I miss it so much right now. It still affects me a little bit daily that, you know, um, I can't do what I used to love doing. But I guess I have the banner behind me. I have the arm gym. And that's kind of keeping me motivated. Where now I'm 34. I've got two young kids. I've got a wife. Um, and it's kind of the next stage, like, you know. That's, um, I think this is a Mike Tyson quote uh, that uh, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it can really uh, it can really upscuttle a lot of people which i'd imagine for people who you know don't necessarily come from a long background of, of fighting definitely struggle with at times but i think you touched on a, a great point a, a few minutes ago just on um on where to begin with, with uh, undertaking something and uh, i suppose without needing to focus big time on the, the obesity ec epidemic that we're kind of facing in, uh, in, in I suppose, Europe as, as a whole, really. But a lot of people have this, this fear of undertaking something new and, uh, and big, uh, whether it might be just going into their gym or whether it's going for even a walk. For some people, they kind of, kind of don't necessarily know where to start. But it, often what people look at is the, the top end of people and think like, oh, that's where I have to be. Whereas it's, uh, it, it is important for, I think that's a fantastic point that, that he made that it's, it, it's so important for people to remember that you'll come in 
anything new. You come in at the bottom and there's people there who will literally hold your hand. Even if they're even if they're beating you with the other one, they will hold your hand and they will help you up through uh, through the levels to build up that that resilience. I, that that's a, a fantastic point that I, I think doesn't get hammered home enough uh, for a lot of people who might find themselves, um, you know, not being able to or not having the confidence to go after something. Uh, so that's brilliant. Uh, did you have that? Like, is that the kind of experience that you've had uh, with even with clients or anything like that? That it's I, I experience it every day, like, but but like I think the big thing is for us all, and you're saying as well that's with with your own studies and what you do. But it's allowing yourself to be a beginner, not not being afraid to kind of just make that step. It's like you know Shane, like I got to meet Shane for the first time uh, last year, and it's a big step for me going into like just doing a an S and C course again, and like upskilling around other new trainers coming through. You never. You're never too old to learn some new tricks either. I think sometimes it's, it's the same for me now. I'm 34, and um, Pat Dilley often says too, like a lot of people kind of stop doing things when we get to the age that I'm at right now. We kind of quit on ourselves, but you kind of have to fill in your own cup as well, like you know. So it's a case of like, don't be afraid to fail, and and like I've done it many times. Like obviously with running, and um, with like say even soccer, and then obviously then when it came to MMA, but. And maybe it was probably a big one for me, but even now it's just like going to courses and stuff. And sometimes you have this, you know, for me, maybe, yeah, some people might say you compete at a high level or whatever, but then you have this perceived idea this this guy's going to know everything and you don't know everything. So, and, and it's the same for people coming into fitness. Like, you know, another thing with BJJ is there's some phenomenal BJJ rappers that are black belts and they're great at preaching about, you know, turn up and stuff and that. But like, there's people come into gyms all the time that have very high level jobs and they've done phenomenal to get to where they are in their job. And I often say, look, it's like me going in to do your job tomorrow. If you threw everything at me on day one, told me I had to know everything that you do, I'm going to be flabbergasted. I'm not going to remember probably anything. But if you give me one thing to do and you show me how to do that one thing today, I guarantee I'll know it tomorrow. And then when you show me another thing tomorrow, I'll add that then. And then over time, I'm going to accumulate quite a lot of volume and then I'll become better at it. So I think we're very good at kids as kids. And I learned from my own kids now in the sense of like Nathan's now just brought back. He started school this year and he's bringing back homework and I'm getting to color in two fish with him. And that's how he's learned the, the two, that's two, you know, and then there's three, he comes back and colors something else the next day. And again, before you know it, he's going to be counting 10 and he's going to have probably more intelligent than I ever was. But it's cool seeing that, like, you know, I think as, as we get older, we, we, we think we have to be perfectionists of things, and, you know, I struggle with it too, I'm not as grammy talk about this, but I sometimes do struggle with it, but sometimes you just have to put yourself into the fire, don't you? Okay, can I just uh, jump in there, Henry Murphy, because uh, I do have to jump ship. There's uh, one question that uh, I actually, um, I was thinking uh, about before jumping on today, with from your um, your running, from your, uh, your, your, I suppose, your middle distance running, while right, there's a different grit associated with your long distance uh, marathon type running, but with middle distance running, it's it, it is kind of like a, 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 a elongated sprint at times. And you mentioned steeplechase and stuff like that. I, I'm just wondering if you found in your uh, later years of uh, MMA fighting where resilience and like just being in the pit of 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 a fight like that, where you you have to be able to bite down and dig deep. Did you find that there was anything you took from those years on the track uh, that that kind of led to you there? Yeah, uh, for me, for me, m- mindset wise, I could go all day. Like uh, there was never a problem with like 
even in the gym, my, my training partners will say to, to me all the time, my, my strength was my cardio, but like, and, and I used to love training. I used to love doing all the rounds and that as well, because what would happen is the lads that would be technically better than me because they've done it for a long time. But what would happen is a lot of time, I'd be like, okay, if I get out of this first round now, I'm going to be in a much better position second round because I can keep the same pace that I do in round one in round three. I don't really get, not that I don't get tired, but like I can endure it more than the other person because I, like the way my mindset was, like I spent from like 10 years of age till 21 like working up to like nearly like 100 miles a week at times, like, you know, where like you're just going out, you're just on autopilot, you're just running in the morning, you're going to college, you're doing your studies, then you're running in the evening, you're saying no to events, you're saying no to taking everything outside of running. So I was in on that. So my respiratory system, in terms of me, my mindset was like, I can go all day. And I had that in me against any other fighter. Like, but the thing I often have to worry about, not, well, not worry about, because I never did get knocked out, but I was always like, you know, you do understand the whole idea that power athletes, you got to be wary of them in that first round because that's when they're going to be most explosive. And then as you go through the rounds, that, that shot, and I felt it in fights. I felt the power of someone deteriorating throughout rounds whereby the, the hands don't feel as heavy. And I've had other ones where like first round, someone felt like they hit like a truck. Do you know what I mean? But um, the same with wrestling and that, that, that really explosive power. I didn't have that. And, and I never... I never stopped anyone with like just like a one shot like KO and there's always like volume over time. The same thing, repetitive shots and then as a result of repetitive shots over time, that would break somebody down. But um, yeah, no, I think the running aspect gave me a, a great base for MMA because I knew nothing fight-wise. I knew absolutely nothing, but I had a good aerobic base. So once I started to put some technique onto it, it, it helped me out a lot, like, you know? Brilliant. All right, guys, I might shoot on. So... <laughs> Great to see you, Andrew. Oh, great to see you. Lovely to meet you as well. You too, you too. See you, we'll see you chat again soon. Tune in. So yourself and Damien have a bit in common there. He's, he's received, received numerous bangs to the head over the years as well, so he can <laughs> on that. All deserved, I might add. Uh, well deserved, every one of them. <laughs> see you, you have, yeah. Good luck, lads. Good luck. That's a very good yeah. point, Andy, on just even now, you learning to learn, whether it be on the S&C course with Shane or whether it be upskilled on, on whatever it may be, it gives you a great empathy then with a client when they come for the first time that you can kind of understand not so much the practical element of, mm. of getting fitter, but just the psychological element of I'm learning something new and it's it's like the fitness world to you is a large concept and, and you can apply one aspect to another whereas to them it's so basic and just start them off on that foot it's good to have the kind of understanding of where they're coming from yeah totally and I, I think we all can relate to that feeling at some stage in our life like you know and for me as as the gym owner and like i say gym owner there's me and i, I now finally have a, a personal trainer Eve, which is lovely that's why i'm able to, to sit here with you today guys because normally i'll be teaching all the class in the gym but um What's great now is like whether it's me in there or it's Aoife or whoever comes in down the line, like I've kind of tried to build this whole aspect of like I'm not looking at that group that comes in where everyone's already friends. I'm looking at one person who comes in, you know, they see them peeping around the corner first. And I always try to make sure there's eye contact, there's a hello. I see it now, and you probably the same yourselves, I'd say, you know, you're in the game a long time, but you know, there's a lot of people out there will have certificates and you know that everyone has like maybe like an honors degree or a master's or they'll have like their, their SNC stuff now and a lot of specialist certs and it's great. But something that a lot of people do tend to forget, I feel, is just little simple things like eye contact, saying hello to someone, making someone feel welcome and remembering a the name. They're the big things because you know, a lot of people won't remember a workout, 
but you'll remember how you made somebody feel. Like, you know, and that's always the case with me with the gym. Like, I'm not the biggest guy I was talking to before. It's like, I'm 66 kilos right now. Someone looks at me like, you own a gym, you run a gym or whatever. Like, but it's not about that for me. It's about like, making my job now as a trainer, I feel anyway. I've learned this over the years. You know, it's not about showing everybody what I can do, what Andy Murphy can do. It's about showing what, what can John Murphy do, what can Shane Cal do. Like, I, I can show you where you can go. So I think that's the, that's the big thing. And I think still to this day, there's a lot of stuff on Instagram, there's a lot of stuff on social media, and a lot of it is just trainers showing how great they are, not really showing how great their members are and or where they can go. Um, so this kind of something I'm trying to do all the time with Urban Gym and um, yeah, it's just a mindset. Again, I think maybe a lot of this has also come from my own, I say, journey with health and fitness and that as well. You know, that's the other thing. Yeah, it's been good to see the, the achievement the boards you've been putting up over the past few weeks as well, just highlighting the achievements of what people yeah. have done. No matter how big or small it is, it's still a huge achievement and a milestone for them, regardless of what it is compared to, to anyone else who maybe exactly. has for a long period of time. Because like I could ask you like what is what is success like you know like like, like success to you is completely different to me like someone says to me oh Andy you made say Bellator or whatever like for me like I wanted to go so much further I, I had all these aspirations that I got cut short and I've had other people on a podcast that we do and I've had people reach the Olympics and you know they're still maybe saying that they want more or you know, someone's big success could be making it to college you know, or it could be getting that job or you know like everyone's version is different like if someone can deadlift 200 kilos wow what do you do a hinge is a hinge you're deadlift the squat is a squat bench is a bench press you don't need to worry if you can master the movement pattern then it's just about kind of just getting comfortable being uncomfortable and becoming the best version of you but yeah it's uh, yeah I could waffle all day I'll, I'll come back to you <laughs> I can't go off on tangent sorry go on there Shane what I was going to say is it was really cool that obviously the pandemic was what it was, it was horrible, but the gym, Urban, almost seemed to, I don't want to say thrive, because I'm sure you had your own struggles like behind the scenes, but like online or even with the online stuff that came through, it seemed to just go from strength from strength and the brand seemed to keep growing and whatever about new members, the members that were there all seemed to be loving it and it's not like, again, I'm not, I don't know the figures behind it, but it didn't seem like you would have lost a huge amount of members, like everyone seemed to be engaged yeah. The online content you were just able to streamline and edit yourselves around well I, I really appreciate that the kind words with that shame but the, again like I, I was talking to Sammy I was talking to Sammy um, before we went to online because again you know I, I'm involved in this a long time but the whole online world is a completely new world for me like, so I was like in my head I was like sugar I need to no, I need to get this online platform. I need to create my website. I need to get all these amazing videos. I need to get the camera. How am I going to do all this? Like, I got a program. And um, again, it's that same idea of like, you know, sometimes everybody wants to have that car or whatever, but you know, how do you get a car first? Like, you know, we have to, to get from A to B, you maybe learn to walk first. Then you maybe learn to cycle. We start moving. Then we get like, to a cycling bike. Then we get maybe a motorbike. And then we've got four wheels. we got a car. And I just need to get the ball moving, if I'm honest. And Sammy helped me out a lot with that, if I'm totally honest with you. I, I again, from being with Apex there, I just picked up the phone to Sammy. I was like, Sammy, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of workouts and that, but how do I go online? What would you recommend? And just networking, again, the big thing is networking. Like we're doing today, it's great talk with fellow fitness professionals who are really enthusiastic and help others in that way, you know. 
but that's what I got. And again, I just, I'm not afraid to ask for help. That's the other thing, which, you know, so with that, that was great. I'm fortunate that the members that I have as well, during COVID, if I'm totally honest, it wasn't about hunting new members. It was about protecting the house. It was about looking after providing the service to those who have been in with us. And I got a lot of support from our members when we were forced to close. A lot of our members would message me saying, hey, Andy, no, we're behind you. We're going to be here when you reopen. Uh, and then once I could get the ball rolling with the live workouts, we had a school came on board, Bunskill Reach. And that was, to be honest, that was awesome. I get to work out with my son, Nathan. Like, it was just a good crack. It was car crash TV. So I was worried before I did my first rascals class, like this could go absolutely horribly wrong. Like, you know, screaming kid, you know, you're not wanted to be there. You know, am I going to lose it? What's going to happen? But so we just went with it. It was just good fun. And people kind of tuned in just to, to, to see Nathan doing a burpee, like, you know what I mean? And that was just a bit of fun. You know, and uh, the stuff that I remember, like, it, like, don't get me wrong, it was really hard. It was like, I've got a two-year-old daughter at the time, she was a year and a half when we came into lockdown. And, um, like I was trying to work out live workouts around there. Like Brooks nap time, and then Nathan going to bed at night. I had the music going on. I was doing all my high energy stuff. They're trying to get to sleep. I got Marina behind the camera on the computer here. She's typing up names of who's working out so I can shout out. You know, give shout outs and stuff. Like yeah, it's stuff. Like I said, I appreciate it. They, we, we see the the, the, the success and stuff. But again, you know yourself, Shane. There's a lot of programming, a lot of planning goes in as well. And yeah. Every workout for me, because I'm a high energy kind of guy, it's nearly like a performance in a way. You know, um, not that I'm a, mon a monkey or anything like that. Not like it's not like dance with monkey kind of thing. There's, I, I, I like to be knowledgeable what I do. I don't just shout for the sake of shouting. There's a lot of cues and stuff there. But um, I would be a high energy coach, and yeah, there's a lot of high energy dispensed over COVID. That's for sure. It's like you say, it looks like it's running smoothly. If you see a duck floating across the water, it looks yeah. perfectly smooth. If you look yeah. under the water and it's like, it's like so good, like mad, trying That's to tell you along. My, my manager, former manager, John Windle, a good friend of mine, used to say the same to me. You know, kids, a kid's party would arrive at the arena or Kingfish where we used to work and It'd be on a Sunday and I'd be doing DM and this kid's party arrived with parents and they're all excited and they got the cake and they're coming in and I'm like, I don't see a party booked in. I don't have staff. I'm like, <laughs> Charlie just be, yeah, just be like a duck. So yeah, we're just getting we're getting the castle right away now. We try and ring staff to come in and try and get everything sorted like so exactly cool and calm on the service, but kicking like underneath like, you know. Just back then to your, your MMA career to, to wind it back a small bit. You started off in uh, MMA Club in Waterford. What was the name of that? And did you stay yeah. with them long term? So yeah, good good question. So uh, what happened was um, Started off with a team called Warfare Mate, and the main coach there were Anthony O'Brien, uh, Tony Welsh, and Bobby Mead. And um, I guess over time that that club kind of dispersed um, for various reasons, whatever. Um, but what was when I I actually got a job managing White to Wexford, um, and kind of the whole MA stuff kind of started to stop then because. You know, you start managing, you manage a gym. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a four-star hotel. Um, you manage staff. You know, you are the guy to go to uh, when things break down, go wrong. You know, covering shifts, all that. You're organised everything. So I wasn't able to keep the level of training I need to keep going, going. So I had a bit of a break from May then. But what I realised then was I was thinking I was like 20, 28 at the time, and I remember being at a meeting in. I think it was in Port Leash where all the different managers from all the different the ladder group hotels, all the club vitae's and uh, Clayton uh, management would meet up. 
And this one day, I, I, I'm 28, and we're going around the table introducing ourselves. And all the different managers were like, hi, I'm Jane. I manage whatever Club Vitae in Cork. Hi, and I used to play Camogie, but now I'm managing. And then another manager go to the next manager. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm manager here at Galway, Clayton. I used to be into strength and conditioning. I used to compete at Olympic Rebella, but now I'm managing. And these are lads in their 35, 40 years of age, and some of the women were slightly older than that as well. And it got to me, I was like 28, and I was like, hi, I'm Andy, I'm 28. I used to do MMA, but now I'm managing. And um, it was only about maybe six weeks after that, Marina told me um, when I was blabbering on about reports and budgets and all this sort of crap uh, while having dinner in Jeff's in Waterford, she told me she was pregnant with Nathan. And... Like, well, what should have been like the happiest moment of my life at the time I was just a blur because I got back talking all about management crap and it was only about three weeks later I was back in the gym in my office like here on a Mac computer or whatever it was on the Mac it was whatever computer it was I was looking at budgets and I thought I just sat there I was like what the fuck am I doing like, I'm 28 I'm married happily I've got a baby on the way and I'm like in this job where I'm meant to be like I'm I'm a graduate of recreation sport management. It's taken years to get to where I am now. I'm managing a gym. I've made it. Why am I unhappy? Why am I not enjoying this? Like, do you know what I mean? And I just kind of came to realization at that point that I'd rather be a fit, happy, healthy dad than an unfit, unhappy, wealthy dad. I kind of made that choice then. And Marina just said, I think, you know, why well, I say, Andy, just get out of that job. Just You're not enjoying it. Your personality is changing. And thankfully, I have a support network around me. It was great. I was able to leave that. I didn't buy any stupid stuff that would have made me have to stay in that role. Like I said, I love the people. It wasn't that there was no fallouts with the GM. The GM loved me. I'm still in contact with them. I'm still in contact. I go in for teas, coffees, all that sort of stuff. But the role, I just didn't enjoy it. I, just, I did not enjoy that aspect of stuff. Um, so I got back then and I just made a promise to myself there. I was like, look, I need to get back in with May training. And I messaged uh, Miles Price um, in Team Ralph Kenny because he was fighting professionally. And I was like, look, I was doing PT at the time. Then what I did was I used to do PT in the morning from like six to nine. And then I do my PT in the evening. But I need to figure out a way how to get back MMA training because most clubs train in the evening. But then I figured out, okay, Miles is a, is a PT. McBrennan is a PT. Maybe they work similar hours to me where they're busy in the morning, busy in the evening but they train in the middle of the day. That's what they did. So I surrounded myself with Miles and Mick, two better fighters on me, and then they brought my level up. And then within a year, I saw Miles fighting on Bama, Bama 24, he fought Kane Musa, and Mick Brennan fought then as well. And I said, in a year's time, I'll fight on Bama. And a year later on September, then I made my professional debut at 30 years of age. So, um, yeah, and then what, 33 years of age, I'm fighting on Bellator. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's not a bad story. No, definitely not. Awesome. How many fights do you had, say, the first time before you took the break and went into management? Had, had you had much experience of fighting yeah. you into the pre- professional? Yeah, so I had. I, I, like, I was smiling. I'm from Carl, but it's like fighting on like, Team Munster. And I was on a lot of Battle Zone shows, which is like one of the, at the time, it was one of the bigger shows in Ireland at the amateur stages. Like, so I would have fought in, like, say, Leopards Down Pavilion. My first fight was in um, O'Loch and Gales GA Sports Hall. As mad, my very first MMA fight in O'Loch and GA Sports Hall, like, as in like, it was amateur. Now I'm like fighting at 73 kilos that night actually, which was kind of mad. 
because before 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 my weigh in for that fight, I was um, I was actually seventy two point five kilos the night before, and I uh, went to got Chinese because I was star- not that I was starving. I need to try and keep my weight up, but I do I knew nothing about weight cutting. Right? I knew absolutely nothing. I just thought I'll be grand. But I saw this guy who was to fight anyway at the weigh in. I was drawn and sunken in, and I was looking all fresh, and I weighed in at seventy three anyway. I was like, yes, there I'm seventy three. Cool, happy days. Well, so I was like 72.5 kilos the next day and I was in the cage waiting for this guy to walk in. He walked in about 80-odd kilos. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, that'll tell you about me like, back then. That was like four-ounce gloves amateur debut. Um, no shin pads, any stuff like that. We're allowed to hit to the face standing, but we weren't allowed to hit to, to, to the head on the ground, which is crazy. That's, that'll tell you how mad that was. That was back in 2010, I think it was. So, yeah, it's crazy. And then, yeah, 10 years, what? Yeah. In nine nine years on nine years on yeah fighting in Bellator like. but again the same emotions as it well not the same emotions a lot cooler and calmer for Bellator actually walk into arena was grand I used to enjoy all that sort of stuff the first one was the most nerve wracking one in a lot of girls GA sports hall like because once you're in the cage nothing changes you got you got like a referee there you got your opponent. So it doesn't matter if you're in the cage, you know, Lockton J Sports Hall or you're up in the SSC arena in Belfast or you're in like, in Newcastle or you're in the Dreary in Dublin. Cage is a cage. The only thing that changes is the environment that you're in. That's the only thing, you know? So when you, if you kind of compare and contrast it, Andy, so I suppose going back to like from an s point of view, you're kind of in a unique position where kind of before when you were training would have been almost the pre-Connor era. And then when you came back, it was after he kind of made his big name. So the sport kind of exploded in the country. Yeah. Is there like, is there a huge difference in the training quality and kind of style that would have been available to you guys especially kind of strength conditioning wise but like huge. even if it's only kind of three four years i'd say the difference would have been huge yeah well do you know what it is and i sort of try it across in the gym where i'm training now like like it's just a lot more science now like, like the proof is in the pudding right so like before like 2010 11 you, you're nearly just doing all this like old school stuff for the sake like flipping tires and sledgehammers and you're just doing stuff to get a sweat like you're, like you're not like you're training hard but it's just like that old school rocky stuff and it's grand and don't get me wrong that can be cool but like actually having some sports specific rest in that then as well and like doing your proper strength training like your five by five maybe for your strength to get stronger not necessarily like building loads of muscle mass in that but to be sports specific so even doing like your strength and power phases as we, we talked about in, in apec and that as well like i just noticed a huge difference and um Having like an SNC coach for my last two years of my career, anyway, when I turned professional, that was huge because, like, again, even having like you know, intra like say drinks, like in terms of like, your, your BCAAs and stuff that you're taking on board throughout your training, like, like, we weren't doing any of that sort of stuff. Like, and I remember even back like 2011 and 12, we were sparring three times a week, which is fucking crazy. When I think about it now the amount of trauma I took when I didn't even have like a, a great skill set back then, you're just going in. You're, you're like, like my, I'm a deviated septum here. I can't, I can't, I can't breathe through this side of my nose. I can breathe through this side fine. But like the amount of times I go in and my nose, I'd be banged up on a Monday and I'd still be sore. I'd be getting banged up again on Wednesday, Joe. And you're getting a like, heavy leg kicks and you're just, you're just a broken man all the time. There's no such thing as an active rest back then. It's like, okay, well, if I'm not trained, it's like you're branded that you're soft or whatever. So you just have to keep turning up. But now, and when I went to Team Alpha Male, that was the big thing for me, the, the realization that, you know, we were training three times a day over Alpha Male. But after each single session, we were doing like 15 minutes of yoga with a lady called Bethany Delson. 
And it was all about like calm and nervous system, loosen the body, loosen the mind, and get you ready for your next training session. So you're prepped and ready. So I got to see a lot of stuff over there. And the same with Rhino, like, like up in Tumor, we got like sports psychologist, you know, Richard Shannon looked after me with that. So we did a lot of visualization drills, uh, which again, some people think it's all higgledy-piggledy, but trust me, this stuff works if you truly, now you can't just visualize not putting the work. That's, the, that's a separate thing. You have to be training and you have to like really visualize in your cues and what you want to do and where you want to go and what you want to achieve. And, you know, you, you might have seen the video, the YouTube one, where I left ripped to the body against Stephen Killington up in Bama. That was all stuff that I pictured in my head and it came off in the fight. Now, again, you can have visualization and it might not work. Like I, I visualized beating Dylan Logan and Bellator and I had certain movements. And again, I tried those movement patterns in the fight, but they didn't come off. But I felt a lot calmer going in because as far as my mind was, I'd done the work and I, I wasn't nervous. It was not like I, I, I felt the way I wanted to feel going into those. Whereas in my early amateur career, there's a lot of like, you're hyped up and the, the entrance music's coming on and you're, but like realistically, you want to feel a sense of calm, focus. You want to be in control. You know, that, that's the feelings you want to have. And I think that's a big difference I had when I turned professional to when I was amateur. Obviously, you, you want to win in both scenarios, but I had better, better tools as a professional than when I was an amateur. And how many professional fights did you end up having? I had four. And if I'm totally honest, the last two I should not have fought. I shouldn't have even fought in Bellator, if I'm totally honest with you. I shouldn't have fought on MTK, but I was hunting a feeling um, because they, I got pretty sick after I came back from Team Alpha Male. Three weeks after I got back from Team Alpha Male, I got very sick. I got bad vertigo, brain fog, dizziness. I was in the best shape of my, my life, physically, mentally, as an athlete now I'm talking. Um, and after three weeks back from Alphamere, I just got absolutely rocked. And um, I've been battling even to this day. I was talking briefly before we came on here. I finally got to see Jack Lambert um, three weeks ago. I had bloods came back from Germany for about, no, sorry, three months ago, sorry. And that they came back with a positive uh, test for Lyme disease. So basically I had brain scans, I had ECGs, I had all these scans and I saw different specialists and I saw one doctor, a doctor tried to diagnose depression. And that was when I was at breaking point. I was like, here, hang on a second. I am not depressed. You know, I've got, I'm happily married. I'm in a job I love. I've got, at the time, one child made him I loved to bits. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm fighting professional. I was fighting professionally. And you're telling me that I'm depressed. So what do I need to do to get out of this depression? Surely things like exercise, sleep, rest, family, they're all my support network, which is phenomenal. But you're telling me if I take this pill that you're going to throw at me, that that's going to make me better. I call bullshit. And um, that's when I started to make changes with things like nutrition. Uh, I started to change my training. Um, did a lot more yoga. I went down literally from my house here. Is, <laughs> is uh, where I dropped my kids to my my child at the time, Nathan. My child at the time. Child, my child, Nathan. Uh, to no crash. <laughs> <laughs> he's still my child uh, I jumped into crash and then there was ladies um, there's like seven or eight like 60, 70 year old women doing yoga with a lovely uh, instructor Lynn um, and I'd go into that uh, because I couldn't fucking see straight and I was just really struggling like, I was like brain fog dizziness all this sort of stuff I needed to do something and that just helped me again going in not being afraid to be a beginner being surrounded by people twice my age but I got like an hour and a half there where I just got to focus on movement and breathing and 
helped me out a lot. And um, yeah, I started to change my diet because obviously inflammation was probably quite heightened with the uh, Lyme disease, even though I didn't know that that's what I had then. So I started changing my diet, started changing my nutrition, um, started doing a bit more meditating. I was always very good with visualization, but I asked my sports psychologist, I asked Richard to, instead of doing visualization drills for specific fights and visualizing getting back in the ring and out of the cage, I started to say, look, can I do, can you do a visualization drill just for healing, just in terms of to calm myself down before I go to bed, create and to calm, you know, start visualizing, feeling well. Um, all the stuff that you might say is higgledy piggledy, and so I'm sure some people might listen to that, but whatever. But again, you know, some people choose the idea that you know they give this higher power to people like doctors and stuff that and say, okay, what they say is gospel, and they run away with it. And don't get me wrong, some people and we, the Western medicine and Eastern medicine, it's great, whatever. You only need a mix of the two, but I wasn't I wasn't prepared to just take a depression pill because of what I knew and Marina was the same. I'm not depressed. And that's not saying there's depression not real, it certainly is. But I was just I remember that that hit me hard. And anyone that knows me knows my personality, how I am, I love talking, I love being around people. But again, when it came back to those last two fights that I had, I shouldn't really fought them. I just I was just so stubborn that like I was like, okay, well me on me feeling like this beats you at your best. And that was just not a good way to be. I wasn't I wasn't able to train the same level that I was for Bama twenty eight, even my pro debut. And um, I was hunting a feeling that realistically I wasn't gonna get like, do you know what I mean? And in a way I'm lucky that I would have loved to win my last fight. I knew it was gonna be my last one, Bellator. So it's like there's no bigger show than Bellator bar the UFC. You know, at 33 years of age at the time, you know, um, I realized I'm not going to fight on, I'm not going to be a world champion at that stage. And that's not being negative. That's that's for the first time in my life, maybe being realistic. Uh, I just opened up a gym. I was on a red light in the sense that I was training twice a day, but I was running a gym where I'm teaching four classes a day then as well. You know, fight week, all these other fighters were all in the hotel from the Monday being put up and resting and chilling and folks on weight cut. I'm cutting weight. I'm teaching like a class at half six in the morning, driving up to Dublin, you know, to do like the the the, the photography stuff and all that. Then I'm driving back, teaching like um, Urban Box, Polaris, SNC, BJJ, and then back again the next morning. Then I'm back up to Dublin. You know, that's not it's not being an excuse. It's just being very real with where I was fight week, and that's not how a professional athlete should be operating. Um, so I actually loved fight week. But it was also a real realization that I couldn't sustain that. Like, and even with my health at the time, like, I made weight really easy for that, and I shouldn't be making weight really easy for that. Like, but it wasn't because I wanted to make weight easy; it's because my body was just fucked. <laughs> and just on, okay, we'll we'll come back to your changes in nutrition in a minute. But on making weight, what did you predominantly fight at? So I fought sixty-six kilos, and I normally walk around about 75, 76. You know, you probably look at me now. I'm a lot, I'm a lot leaner than that. Just let that sink in with everyone for a minute. That's about 10 kg below. 10 kg is quite yeah, a lot of weight. So, yeah. what sometimes is that involved trying to make for the weight? So, yeah, no, like uh, what I would do is like, so, like, obviously, when you're training, you need to have energy to train. Like, again, and this is another thing for even just the everyday person going to a gym. You don't be starving yourself. Like, like don't get me wrong. Even fasting, all this sort of stuff, grand and stuff. But, like, you know, you need fuel to to train to perform it. To perform optimally, nutrition is key. Like John, I see so many people, even in the health and fitness, they're starving themselves before going to like a spin class, or starving themselves for certain hit class and stuff like that as well. 
if you want to push your body, you need to be fueling the body right, right, you know. Um, so when I was training and fighting professionally, like a nutritionist, and he sought me out with my nutrition sense, I, I would have food at 7, 10, 1, 4, 7, 10. Now, when I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like that, that was like when I was 76. So there was a guy in Carlo after me, was uh, Joe Walton. He's great now. He's, he just kept things simple for me. Like, so, and it was literally was I'd be having things like chicken, basmati rice, and broccoli, for example. And because I was working in WIT Arena, I was able to bring that in my Tupperware boxes and stuff as well. But, um, and then again, it was just working. I, I felt great at the first two weeks now when I started to eat that way was really tough because I wouldn't be a big eater. I found the first two weeks very tough to eat. But what I found after about three weeks was I was getting really hungry at about, say, half nine in the morning then. And then, say, at around half 12, quarter to one, I need to be one on my lunch and work. Or you know that Andy, happy Andy's getting a bit late. I see that, you know. Um, and Marie would have been saying here at home, but she'd be like, Andy, what the hell? I had a guy... Um, Kyo's Prime Meats, actually, and here's me now, Mr. Vegan here, but the guy who sponsored me, Kyo's um, uh, Prime Meats, and he used to sponsor me with the chicken fillets, and basically, it was really handy, it was really convenient, it was great, because uh, I got my great source of protein, and then, and all I used to do then was, when I got to about three, four weeks out from the fight, I'd start to reduce my carbohydrate, let's say 10 and 4, and then I'd reduce it again a little bit then, so you just say, okay, Andy, take out your basmati rice there, take out, they like, say, a quarter cup of your rice there and there and see how we are for a week. We'll check our weight again then, same time. So the way we'd always do a weight at the end of the week on the Saturday morning, check weight all the time. But then you get to like the last week and the last week is always the hard part. Because normally I'd have cut to about, from the nutrition aspect, I'd be walking around about 76 and I'd get to about fight week, I'd be about 72, you know. So then I'd still have six kilos of a cut, like, you know. But what you do that start? predominantly through a water cut, is it? Exactly. So what starts happening then is on a, on a Sunday. depends on the day that you're fighting. Um, if it's a Saturday night fight, you start doing your water loading on the Monday. But if it's a Friday night fight, which Bellator was, you start doing your water loading on the Sunday. So normally it was like an eight liters on a Sunday uh, of water. Eight liters of water uh, on a Sunday. You wouldn't drink it all at once, obviously. you drink it throughout the, the day. <laughs> you know, And you make sure, again, another schoolboy error, I would have made in my amateur days was I, and Shane you were doing this with your bodybuilding I'm sure but um, <laughs> in my amateur days I used to have it in the fucking, in the fridge I used to get banging headache because um, like oh the cold and that like, and if you're doing fights in the winter like, your hands and your feet get really cold as well but I found that once I kind of kept the water at room temperature and I had it kind of laid out for the day it was a lot easier so I'd have the 8 on the Sunday I'd have the 4 on the Monday four on the Tuesday and then little to nothing. Like, so I'd have sips on the, the Wednesday morning. And then once it got to 12 o'clock, this is where the fun started then. I'd have a cup of black coffee and I'd be like, uh, okay, we're starting now. I'd have a black coffee with, you know, my friends, probably Miles. If Miles is fine as well, we'd be doing the weight cut together and it should be similar. So you have a coffee, whatever. And then after that, then it's literally you're, you're fasting till you're weighing the next day. And, and, when you're a fine professor, you're kind of fortunate that you'd normally do your weigh-in. You'd be um, 9 a.m. is when you'd, you'd do your weigh-in. And then the public weigh-in. So you'd officially weigh in at 9 a.m. And then you can start drinking and rehydrating and that. Like the trick is not to, to rehydrate too quick or you drink too much or eat too much. You drink, you, 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 you might be gasping, but you're not hungry. You're actually just really thirsty at this stage. 
So you start taking sips of your, you know, coconut water, your Dioralite and stuff. Then you start loading back up. But um, then the public way in Norm is around four o'clock then. So Bellator way and then on the Thursday was four o'clock. We're all filled back out then. So by the time you get to, say, if you're cut weight to 66, when I was on the Bama show, when I was fit and healthy up, up in Belfast, I weighed in at 65.9. But so by the time the public weigh-in came on then, you're up to about 74 kilos. Like you're, you're, you're pretty high already. You know, and they can, your face is filled back out. You just, you know, a lot of fighters make the mistake of thinking that the fight is making weight. It's not. The, the, the performance is the next day. So you've got to make sure that you make weight and then you rehydrate and you refuel properly so that you can perform because it's not it's not Weight Watchers that you're, you're doing. It's not, okay, Andy, well done. You made 66, pal. Good job. There's your little gold star. Whatever. See you next week. It's like, no, tomorrow you got to go and fight, you know, so it's a different game. So what have you done? About 24 to 28 hours from weigh-in time to when the fight actually happens? Yeah, so like normally, so it depends on where you are on the card as well. Like when I fought on, on, on Bellator, I was the second fight out. So I actually fought at, you know, uh, five six o'clock so before all the madness starts where everyone's all drunk and doing all their stuff whatever and they're singing sweet caroline whatever i would have been earlier in the day but <laughs> up in uh, belfast or actually bama in dublin now the very first one and um, i was halfway up the car in that one so um yeah you have a quiet you definitely have 24 24 hours rehydrate refuel you feel like once you've done your pre-fight shakeout on the morning of the fight uh, you feel you feel good. You're kind of excited to perform. Like you know, you wake up with a bit of nervous energy on it. Once you've done your bit of pad work and move around and you let off that um, nervous energy, then you're kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm excited for later on. Like you know. Yeah, no, I, I did a water cut before for a powerlifting competition, so I've have some bit of empathy. I I wouldn't, yeah, be, yeah. I wouldn't have went to the same extent as you did, and I was I was lifting about three hours later, and I didn't have to worry about getting cracked in the head as I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, but that's that, again. That, <laughs> Again, when, when you do something different, though, it's, again, it's just, it's tough. Like, everyone has their own battles with stuff. And, like, that's, again, powerlifting. Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for that as well because I cannot lift. Like, I cannot lift every all. I mean, I'm just like, you know, I see what some dudes are lifting that are even my way. I'm like, my God, how can you how can you press that and lift that and move that? But even I did a podcast with a powerlifter recently and uh, just, like, lifting trucks or lifting cars. I'm like, my God. But, again, your body adapts oh, to what it does. Yeah, yeah, Nicky, yeah. Your body I, I did a couple of sessions with him back when I used to be powerlifting. Oh, he made me feel like such a child. <laughs> <laughs> you felt like a child. Imagine what I feel. I'd, I'd probably feel like a fetus in the womb, I'd say. Well, I would be like, you know, <laughs> You know, but uh, if we get a fish. Also, for anyone listening there who thinks this is a way to lose fat, it's just to lose weight, specifically to weigh in for a fight that's set at a weight class. Before anyone says, oh, this is a great way to lose weight, oh, please don't do that. And you're, not, and, and you're cranky and you're not the same person. And, um, you know, I remember my very, like the, the one that I had for my pro debut was a really rough cut. I was in the sauna with Mick Brennan. We're actually back in Greenbank in Carlow, where it was my first workplace. And what was mad was I was cutting weight, and I, the night before my professional debut, I was 71 kilos. The, the, sorry, the night before my weigh-in for my professional debut, I was 71. I had to make 66. So get that one into your head now. So, yeah, this was tough now. Um, and I met Miles. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I met Miles. It was literally spit. Yeah, it, like, I met Miles at uh, Greenbank. He was late. I was meant to be at Green, he was meant to be at Greenbank at 8 o'clock. He arrived at 9, so we had an hour because Green Man closed at 10. But I had to do four 15-minute stints in the sauna. Now, I'm not drinking any water at stage. I've not been drinking water since 12 o'clock. 
four fifty minutes into the sauna, come out for like two minutes, whatever. Miles is scraping with their, their like a banking card, not that one of his banking cards, I think it was a student card, whatever it was, scraping water off, coming out with a towel, getting out, getting back in. He, I drove home, got into bed, had to get an ice cube out two or three times in the night because I was just like, I was actually headachy. I was like not feeling great at all. Next morning, I had, so I got to, we, we got to 69 kilos that night uh, and then we called it. And then the next morning I got up, I think it was like 68.2. So I still had 2.2 kilos to cut. And then I met Mick Brennan. So this was a Friday morning because the first Bama fight was a Saturday night that I had. So this was Friday morning. And what happens in Greenbank on Friday morning? Aqua aerobics. So, yeah, some buzz. So all these ladies that I used to like years ago, beyond the side pool doing my jump jacks, Mr. High Energy, I'm going in there looking like E.T. into the sauna, weak as hell. And uh, I, I couldn't really talk. Like, I was just, and I have the women coming out after the class were coming in. And I'm like, oh, and the other, and I, I was like, I can't, I can't talk. I'm really weak now. And then there was a guy who used to work with me as well. Grand guy in that, but like, wouldn't totally see eye to eye if I'm honest, but like, come out all the time then while they're mixed mix, practically carrying me out of the sauna between these last three stints that I did that morning and uh, it was on the side of the pool deck and then your man comes in with one name just in case another name um, he's like oh you far off you far off you got much to go and in my head I'm like fuck off <laughs> I just I couldn't <laughs> I was so weak and this lovely guy that I, I like to think of myself right now was just weak and tired and I couldn't talk, couldn't communicate. As I remember saying, Mick, Mick, will you just tell everyone that, will you just break it down to them that I'm doing what I'm doing, like, you know? So I wasn't saying it like that, but like, just tell them that I'm not talking because I couldn't talk. I was just weak as hell. Mick drove me up to Dublin that day. We had the weigh-in at three o'clock. I made weight, but like, you probably see photos of me online for that weight cut. It was not a good weight cut. I was like, I, I was 78 kilos, I think it was, four weeks out from that fight because I was originally meant to fight at 70 kilos against Keen Cowley at the time. And he got injured. And then I got offered the Richie Smullen fight at 66. So again, it's just a, it was a good opportunity, but it was a stupid, it was a stupid thing to do in the way. And that, that's a crazy, crazy way to You mentioned there, but back when you were starting to feel unwell towards the end that you change your diet quite a bit because I know we're getting tight for time and it's something we wanted to touch on anyway but when you change your diet what kind of different approach did you take I know yeah you weren't able to avail of the, the sponsored chicken fill as much anymore <laughs> yeah no um, it's just different I started like, again I just started to read a lot because like I said I went to doctors and I went to different specialists I spent well, yeah, I spent taking thousands not that I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a wealthy guy at all but like you do like when you're when you like not one just to quit easy on stuff like I'm not one just to okay it's now I'm around my neck there I'm gonna tap out of that like and certainly with my health like, like your health well and truly is your wealth and I've took it for granted many times before where you just think you're always gonna be fit and healthy and well and I was on the crest of wave where I came back from Alpha Male feeling great train with like you're right a favorite Chad Mendez you know freaking all these high level guys over Justin Buckles phenomenal like performing well Clay Weeder they out striking Clay Weeder and Sparn I'm feeling on top of the moon here and then within three weeks my whole like health comes crashing down like, out of nowhere like, like it's like I can't explain it and it's, it's still I feel robbed in many ways I still feel hurt from it it still gets to me it's still 
people see a, a positive guy a lot, but there's still a lot of hurt there. Still, like, I, I see stuff on, you know, pages, and I'm like, I could be there, I should be there. There's, a, there's still an element that I'm going through of letting go. But um, one thing I wasn't prepared to let go of was, like, you know, I've got, at the time when I started going through this, I've got Nathan, my son, and he's kind of been always the goal behind everything that I've done. Marina's obviously always been a support to me as well from day one with, with my career in terms of MMA and stuff. And now I've got a daughter, Brooke. So, um, you know, like, I wasn't prepared, as I said, I left whites to become a fit, happy, healthy dad, not an unfit, unhappy, wealthy dad. So when a doctor tries to prescribe depression to you and you're like, well, I'm not fucking depressed, and you've gone to get brain scans done, they're all clear. You get your ECG done, you got a resting heart rate of 42, which is the same as Lance Armstrong. You know, I'm fit and healthy and well. You know, cardio's good. You know, body composition printouts are all looking good. Everything looks great. You know, you get a picture taken, you know, for your family. Everyone's comments on Instagram, oh, I love your family, you look great, you look lovely, all of this. You know, it's success, isn't it? But inside, I was feeling terrible. I couldn't see straight. I was dizzy. I was feeling like tightness in my chest, tightness up the back. You know, injuries were taking a lot longer to heal. So I started just doing some research. You know, I, I looked, I started reading a lot more. Um, I met a, a guy. I went to obviously events where the happy pair were doing talks and stuff. I, I learned stuff about food, nutrition. I learned a lot more about fiber. I learned, like, you know, the effects that, you know, too much meat consumption can have on the body with inflammation, red meat especially, and certain things. I went to Michelle McCracken uh, events in Dublin as well. And she had a look at me when I was telling her how many eggs I'd eat normally in a day. I normally have three or four eggs at least every day back then as well. And she was saying, you know, again, it's, it's, I'm not saying don't eat eggs or whatever. Everyone's individual. I do what I do for me. I'm not trying to save the world. I'm no vegan animals. It's, I did this like, selfishly, you could say, to save myself, you know. Um, and you know, I got talking and I got to meet a great guy, Alan Desmond. We did a podcast on our urban gym and he's a good doctor over in England and started looking at plant-based nutrition and just started to eat a lot more whole foods. And I'm like, again, I'm not like complete pure vegan and that. Like I still have a square of chocolate here and there, like a dairy milk and all that. It's like, just, oh my God, I get a on my page. Andy, you're having a dairy milk. It's like, relax, guys. You know what I mean? Um, I did a lot of stuff just to, to, to get back. And again, how you feel is where it's at. I just started to feel better. I'm not, like I said, not 100%, but Jesus Christ, 70% is better than 10%. And that's kind of where I've gone with stuff. And, you know, um, thankfully, I feel a lot better now. I do, I do believe it's just, again, volume over time. It's just through eating a little bit more healthy. I say more healthy, just looking after my diet, more fiber, more fermented foods, lots more fruit. Um, I hydrate properly. I'm not taking as many bangs to the head anymore, obviously, as well. So, there's another good thing. <laughs> a lot more rest, recovery. I, I, I emphasize, even the same with the gym, that you know, your rest is important to your training. Yes, I love seeing members come through my door, but like, you know, I'm not one of them trainers that like I want to see every single day of the week. You know, like if you're tired on a Wednesday, take your rest day, please do, or do a core class, or go to yoga class, or do some mobility. You know, like, I like. I always say health and fitness and gym memberships and stuff like that should add value to your life, not take from it. Um, but unfortunately, I still feel like there's a lot of people out there that still have that old school mentality of like, go hard or go home. And I've just started to adapt. And again, it's another learning that I've learned 
for my own gym and for what I try to do with the gym. You know, like I said, I'm still, still hurting, still miss a lot of stuff, still miss sparring, still miss training with my good friends, Miles and Mick. I don't see some of my friends as much as I'd like to see them, you know, because I saw these guys all the time on the mats and I'm sure you're the same with your own training lads where you have a bond with your training partners and you get to switch off where you're training and having the crack and that and unfortunately I'm not really getting that as much anymore and I'll be honest, I stopped doing a lot of the MMA stuff because I used to, my personality was changing, I'd get angry in training because my body wasn't doing what I felt it should be able to do and was able to do before and you know, I'd be not lashing out, but I'd get upset over getting submitted and stuff and, um, you know, maybe getting outstruck in spars or work workouts and stuff. And that was never me. I was always like, you know, fair enough. But I knew, I think what was annoying me was that I was getting submitted. I was getting outstruck in that because I wasn't feeling the way I was feeling. It wasn't that. Know, these guys are better than me or this or that and sometimes I had it in my head that like again it still plays me a bit I'm a very competitive person when I get into training for stuff I think that's why I got to where I got to but I found it hard then not being healthy being able to train you know what I mean so uh, that's where I'm at like. you know there would be a massive frustration there with not being able not being able to perform at the level you know you're capable of and that was due to the, the ill health that was there it's interesting as well, it took you a while to adopt it. You don't have to be fully on the, the go hard or go home, particularly coming from a, a middle to long distance running background and yeah. combat sports are probably the two most go hard or go home yeah. <laughs> cultures there are. Yeah. It, and, and you know what? I say, again, it's another thing I transfer across the gym because I have a lot of runners come into the gym. And it's the same mentality. Some of them, like, I've, I've, a few runners have done the first marathon or some have been hunting marathon times. I'm like, hey, maybe, you know, I say about running in October, obviously not this year now, but like, you know, a year and a half ago, I've had different runners come to me and they're saying, oh, I need to be here. This is my training plan. Like, well, you know what? Maybe instead of that training session, why not maybe, if you're telling me you're feeling tired, why not maybe take that one out? Maybe just do some mobility. And they're like, oh, but I had to run. I had to get my miles up. Like, whoa, if you're telling me you're feeling tired, like, read your body. Like, take that out. But again, I go back to my former self. I always thought I need to run. That's why... You know, we do circuits on a Wednesday in the running club, but I would never do circuits. I'd go out and do more mileage. But again, here's the guy then a few years later that goes and has four knee operations because I've just been taking, again, running and middle distance. And, uh, sorry, running MMA, two of the toughest by sports because running is probably worse than MMA for me because you're in constant contact with the ground. Repetitive stress on your joints. You know, there's probably people now more knee operations, more ankle surgeries, more hip surgeries than ever because people get a new pair of runners or a fancy polo watch for Christmas and then they miraculously start up running. You won't take, you know, five mi- <laughs> a five-mile run on day one. They start putting all this volume on the body without strengthening around the joints. MMA, I go back to earlier days, taking a lot of trauma sparring when I didn't have the skill set. I, I couldn't keep my hands up. And just taking shots like Homer Simpson in the Simpsons thing. That's how eventually you get better. So, but, you know, like you said, we, we do need to learn, and a lot of people need to learn to adopt a, a smart training schedule. Again, that's where guys like yourself come in handy and chain with APEC and educating trainers and even people like myself who are never too old to learn whereby I say, okay, let's, let's delve in a bit more in terms of how do we develop our strength? How do we properly develop our power? How do we... Like, what are our energy systems? What are, we trying to, what, what are we trying to actually achieve from this training session rather than just make the individual sweat? So what, what are you doing? Like, why, ask him why are we doing what we're doing? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, and again, like, 
yeah, I think it's a fine balance. Some, some, some place can be like over science and then some people like no science. And I think it's trying to draw the middle, middle ground somewhere. So for, I'm a, I'm a, I brand our gym as a boutique gym, so it's kind of a bit of a mix of both. I don't, I don't brand it as a pure S&C, but um, it's trying to find that, that fine line between training, rest, and um, recovery and all that then as well, you know? Just try to find that balance and we'll just ask you a bit about your boutique gym before we wrap up. Do you yeah. find it hard now with the gym to fit in time for your own training without being conscious of like, I'm working here in this gym all day. Do you want a break from it or do you understand, no, this is my time to, to be fit and active or whatever? Yeah, no, I, if I'm honest, like, the, the, I, think, I think anyone will, will probably agree with me when you open a, your own business the first year and a half, two years, it's kind of the grind really. It's that, that make a break point really because like, Again, even with social media, it can be the curse of things because, you know, things can be seen to be going way better than things are. Do you know that kind of way? I'm not saying things are going bad, we're enjoying the process of it all, but there's so many peaks and troughs. Same way with training, the body adapting to stress. That's what's happened when you're strength training, isn't it? And it's the same with opening a gym, running a business. Like, I, my biggest fear, my sports psychology, sports psychologist asked me about six weeks before Bellator, a question and it stays with me to this day you asked me after train what would you do if you weren't afraid and he just left it with that so what would you do if you weren't afraid and that was the last thing he left me on that day after training and i'm sure you maybe asked me that in terms of thinking about mma stuff but i drove home from dublin that day and i was really kind of honing in on what would i do if i wasn't afraid and i was like i'd open my own gym and i was like you know i was like i started to put wheels in motion in terms of opening up the gym and once I got the key to the door, that was like when things started to move. I was like, oh shit, I'm actually, <laughs> I have to sign a lease here for premises. And then I left my job, which I was enjoying in WIT, but I was very comfortable there. I was in a comfort zone. I found it easy. Not that I found it easy, but I did find it easy. So I did. I was, I was one of people I, I, I really enjoyed. And, but I knew for me to progress with the career aspect that I needed to, to do this. And it was the only job that I would leave to WIT for because I didn't want to be the manager there. Didn't enjoy managing previous gym so why would I want that didn't want to be a system manager because as a manager you know that your system managers just get the shit jobs that the main manager doesn't want to do so I was I was doing the DM there I was just enjoying things but um, Urban Gym was was my fear it was like okay I'm the I'm the guy that has to sort everything here now do you know what I mean and even now like I'm very fortunate that now after a year and a half I finally have another coach in there who I trust in there and who gives people the same experience of like a hello when they come in the door, meet with eye contact, the gym is clean and tidy. Because at the end of the day, the first thing people will see when they walk into a gym, it's not your amazing coaching. It's not like how great the session is. It's like, okay, is the gym clean and tidy? Is the toilet roll in where the bathroom is? Like, you know, all these fundamental things. Is the hand sanitizer there now? Right? You know what I mean? Uh, these are all things that, are really important for running of the gym and again sometimes you can have all the fancy certs and all the knowledge but if you can't get that across to people and you can't have a nice environment then you'll be struggling so for me yeah it's, it can be hard to get my own stuff in and if i'm honest with my health and that at the minute i'm literally my, my main training right now is i teach a live um hit class on monday i do some yoga well not yoga i do a core class on a wednesday in front of the camera for our members as well and then I'm very active with my, my teaching. Like, Elaine's um, been in the gym. And, like, I'm not a trainer that just stands there and kind of gives direction. I'm kind of very much involved in the class and demonstrate a lot of movement. So my daily activity levels 
have increased a lot since opening the gym then as well. More active than when I was in just the arena where you're a fitness instructor, whereby, let's face it, a lot of time you can be sitting down and then all of a sudden then you might teach two classes in the day. But outside of that, it's not really, you're not crazy active. Do you know what I mean? But, um, so I have to be wary because of even my condition now, like, you know, I'm at 66 kilos right now. So I'm trying to take on board more energy than I'm expending, just trying to keep my weight up as well. That's another thing. So we're back in the way. Yeah. Shane, do you want to hop in with any questions before we finish up? Then we'll let Andy give a little explanation to what boutique gym is and plug it as much as he likes. It wasn't actually going to be a question. It was more just going to be a statement that we haven't voiced to Andy yet, but your gym is just the sexiest gym I've, I've ever seen. Like, colour scheme-wise and just the general look of it, it's just fucking stunning. And we talk about this, like, every time in the lead-up to getting Andy on. Because obviously, Damo had met you before at Inner and and he'd be like, so what does Andy do? I was like, he has, he has the sexiest gym you'll ever see. <laughs> and then, like, a lot of other important things on the CV. But essentially, he owns the sexy ass <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, John, yeah. thanks so much. Uh, thanks. Like, it, it means a lot because, again, I, I have a good friend of mine who came in yesterday and he, we, he did some more design down the end wall. And again, the gym, I opened the gym like, what, six weeks before Fort Bellator, really. And I had nothing. I had like, I just had a, a vision of where I want to go. I had like no equipment. I didn't, have a, I didn't even have a two-day rig in the gym. I had a matted area. I had some bumper plates because I was going to do a lot of like circuit type work. I had a prowler run um, and Paul had designed the wall and I had the, like this behind me here, like just the, the selfie wall. Because I had this vision of like, you know, showing off people. I bought a coffee machine in the gym before <laughs> I got like equipment because I just had this idea of creating a place where people would rather like to enjoy going to rather than feel they had to go to. Um, and just over time, the same way with how our bodies adapt to training, it's just been volume over time, bit by bit, putting a bit more back in. So I get in the two-bay rig. And then, okay, we realized, okay, we need three-bay actually. And then it was like, okay, we added some more equipment. We got some more bump plates. We then put a TV on the wall. All these little things are just over time. And now we have like five-bay rig. And it's just bit by bit, put back in. And yes, we got more design down the end. And the thing is like, as our members are getting fitter and healthier we're also trying to just expand the gym like I, I learned the hard way from managing weights as well and managing a gym that like you know i don't ever want to be in a stressful situation where i can't manage what i'm doing i want to be able to go in my 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 role and what i want to do for my life is i want to be able to look after marine and nathan and brooke and i just want to enjoy doing what i do on a day-to-day basis i'm not trying to take over the world i'm not even trying to take over new ross it's like i want to be able to win do what I enjoy doing every day in terms of teaching, helping people, be able to switch off at night and get a decent night's sleep. And just, like I said, stay fit, active and healthy for my kids. That's that's the goal here for me personally, while providing a really fun place to come in. And you know, I, I thank you so much for the positive feedback about the gym. I, I love that like that you, uh, you see it and you appreciate it. And it's lo- I, I always love when someone comes in, maybe for the first time, and says, okay, that's pretty cool. And, Again, I, I, I've always described our gym because it's just myself and me, and now we have Eve on board who's loving, doing phenomenal work with us. Um, I always described it as boutique on a budget <laughs> because it's just me and Marina. We put our hearts and soul and put everything into this gym. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look at a lot of gyms worldwide. Like, you know, you look at the likes of Barry's Boot Camp and some of the Orange Theories and, and the stuff that they've done. And I'm just trying to create 
a similar environment in terms of a place that's cool and quiet to come into. And, you know, I, I, I drive a lot of time to Greystones. I go to Happy Pear for, for like the experience, not just for food, but I know I'm going to be in there and be greeted with a smile. I'm going to be made feel comfortable and enjoy the food. The setting is nice. Um, I always leave feeling better when I walked in. And like I drive two hours for that feeling. Do you know what I mean? Um, I kind of just wanted that with the gym. I wanted that idea that for 45 minutes, it's 45 minutes. It's not, I'm not doing an hour-long classes or an hour and a half. You know, a lot of people nowadays, you can get quality and quality over quantity. A lot of parents, I'm a parent myself, obviously, we don't have lots of time. You know, if you're, if you're you know, working, you've got kids, you've got school, you got, you know, all these other stressors, you've got COVID situation now. It's just nice to be able to go in somewhere for 45 minutes, get your workout done, not have to worry about anything. And then just go home and feel better about yourself. That's kind of where it's at. And I enjoyed that as you know, when I had an SNC coach, I, I actually, people used to ask me, Andy, why have you got an SNC coach? You can do your own program. You can do your own. But like, to be honest, for me, I'd always question myself. So I could never just do my own plan because I think I get into it and I'd be like, ah. Whereas when I just put it in the hands of someone else, they just tell me what to do, I'll go and do it. And, and I find that. So that's what I try to do with the gym, you know. But I appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's lovely, it's lovely, to, lovely feedback. No, we've said it a few times now, just about how, <laughs> how consistently you stick to a colour scheme, embrace it, and just make it look absolutely class. Yeah. I think that ties in with what Simon Snake says in his book and his talks on Start With Why. People no longer want to buy a product, they want to buy an experience. And anyone I've spoken to who goes to Urban says, it's very much the all-in experience you get and not just the product of a fitness class. So, so just well done on that. And uh, ah, Thanks for sharing your story with us today. We really appreciate your time. Really? Uh, well, Thanks for seeing you so well. Uh, well, look, again, you played a big role in it as well, Shane. You know, it's just giving that extra confidence as well with the, going with APEC and, and learning to be around like-minded people and, and people with a growth mindset and, and just forever learning. And you know, I think you know, I started in this health and fitness journey when I was like 16 and you know, back in the NCEF days. And just trying to adapt it from just reading stuff off, off, off a manual. And I try to add a bit of... Bit of crack to stuff as well. Like I'm sure some people will watch stories and certain things in Urban Gym. Like he's a fucking madman. He's I can't I can't deal with him. He's too he's too hyper or this and that. And there'll be some people that actually love that. And you kind of without sounding voodoo, it's like you do attract your tribe from your vibe and all that. Like I know SPG, they have that with the you know tribe and all that. And there might be a rival MMA gym, but you know it's very true. I think I think you know people trust people. We got a nice community coming in. And, Again, I like to think that I've got a nice network around like yourselves, John and Shane. And, you know, it's great that I can pick up a phone and ask for help when I need it because I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers to everything. And I think it's great as a trainer being able to, to network and navigate. I see Urban Gym as a way of leading people to the ocean, by the way. That's what I see. It's a place where people can come to that if they've never worked out before in their life or they want to start at some point, I can point them in the right direction. If someone wants to become a professional athlete in MMA and all that as well, I can guide them to a certain point and I'll guide them on the way to like, where I'll bring the team Rhino, I'll send the team Rhino, say, hey, stay with them, they'll, they'll guide you. But that's my job. I just kind of facilitate, really. It's like Miles Price used to always say to me as a fighter, like, I'm just the co-driver and you're the driver. Just like kind of just navigating you on your way. That's how I look at things. Yeah, fantastic outlook thanks a million for coming on Andy anyone who's listening on Spotify or iTunes it might be worth checking this one out on YouTube we're going to overlay some pictures and videos of the gym just so you can appreciate what it looks like you'll also get to see Andy's slick haircut and the inside <laughs> the inside of Shane's freshly washed car <laughs> <laughs> fresh Shane thanks everyone see you all next week thanks so much